0: Like, in this passage today, like, we're looking at Saul, and fear allowed him to compromise on his convictions. In the sense of he had just banned these medians, was saying, we're we're not going to take any part in this. Like, this isn't what we stand for. And and, and the moment that there was a silence when he needed an answer, immediately everything shifts. Immediately everything changes. And Saul's convictions had shallow roots. And so when the hard times came that there was no substance and yet like if we want roots that are strong and growing deep when the hard times come they have to be rooted not on our not on our circumstances not on temporary things the only way that our convictions will last and grow deep is when they're founded on Jesus like he is the source of strength but but when we're so worked up in just the circumstance in the moment like that's when things shift and so ephesians 3, 17 through 19 says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you then have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. That 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 our our foundation needs to be in Christ. That, that Matthew seven twenty four through 27 says, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in turrets and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rain and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, It will collapse with a mighty crash. That one moment of silence brought enough fear and panic into Saul's heart that he ran away from the Lord. And as we look and we see, the result was catastrophic. Fear will cripple you, but courage in the Lord will give you strength. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and of self-discipline. As we look through 1 Samuel we, we, we've learned good and bad examples uh, of how to live. We, we, we've looked at Saul and we looked at David, and both experienced hardship. Yet we see two completely different responses on how to handle it. That in the next chapter, somebody is describing David, and he talks about David in this way in uh, 1 Samuel 29 3. And Akshish told them, This is David, the servant of King Saul of Israel. He's been with me for years. And I have never found a single fault in him from the day he arrived until today. Now, obviously, David wasn't perfect, as only Jesus was perfect. But he was a righteous man, and he was a man who pursued God. He was a man that was known as a man after God's own heart. Now, that's the label that he gets given in the Bible. And, and, and we look through moments in, in 1 Samuel, as we've already talked about, because we're going through the series. But we see so many examples of, of David being tested, and he goes to the Lord for courage. You know, moments where a lion and bears are trying to attack his flock, and that would be enough for me to be like, oh, you could probably have the sheep. Like, I'd be terrified. Want wouldn't be able to fight a lion, um, although I'd probably try. But, you know, we see just moments after moments of David being tested. David uh, goes up and, and, and kills Goliath. And, and, and here's just a side note that, uh, that some pastors and historians actually believe there was a reason why he picked up five stones. And, and it wasn't because he was scared in case I miss and he need, you know, he needed extra ammo uh, it was because some believe that Goliath had four brothers and so there's this moment of David just I can just picture it just picking up stone after stone having full confidence in the in the God that he serves that there wasn't doubt that that he wasn't going up timid and it's because he found strength in the lord it's because he sought after the king and when we seek after him that's where we find our strength that Saul was just concerned about receiving an answer from the lord that 's all he wanted that, that he wasn 't chasing after the God. he just wanted just something from him he 's like, "I just need a quick answer, a quick fix and, and, and that doesn 't last when hardships come our way. Yet David, who found courage in the Lord through the good and the bad that 's where we find just a strength that, that is unbreakable that fear will cause you to compromise in your convictions, but courage in the Lord will cause you or, sorry, but, but courage in the Lord will cause your convictions to be fortified and to grow down deep. So, the question that I have this morning is what happens when you run to the Lord first and there's only silence? I think that's something that stands out to me that as we read this, Saul actually runs to the Lord first. That in this moment of, of fear, this moment of panic, his actual first response wasn't in the medium, the first response was the Lord. And it was after just, like, not necessarily hearing a response that then he compromised. And so what happens in our life when we go to the Lord with a question or we go to the Lord with a concern and we don't hear anything? Now, I remember in my life there was, you know, I, I'd gone through some kind of tough stuff as a kid. And I remember praying for healing on something for 14 years before I actually felt it. But it's one of those things that it, it doesn't mean God wasn't working. It doesn't mean that God wasn't doing his job. It just simply means that God works in mysterious ways that we can't comprehend that we serve a God who is all knowing we serve a God who is all powerful but but we're not we're not all knowing we're not all powerful and so there's times where he is at work moving and doing something but we just can't see the picture so what happens when we can't see the picture well we remain planted that that we stay to our roots as we talked about those convictions and those roots grow deep when they're when they're based on the love of jesus How many of you guys have uh, seen the new Civil War movie, The Avengers? We have some Avengers fans. I love it. Um, I promise this won't spoiler alert the movie because it was only, it happened in the first like five minutes. Um, Sam Nunez preached for high school last week and almost ruined the ending for Finding Dory in which I was about ready to stand up and leave. So I get, I get that we don't want movies spoiled, but there's this moment where Captain America is, is wrestling with something. That everyone wants him just to sign this thing, everyone wants him to compromise. And so there's this moment that he says, and it's so powerful. He just says it doesn't matter what the press says, doesn't matter what the politicians or the mob says, doesn't matter if the whole country decides that something wrong is something right. This nation was founded on one principle above all else. The requirement that we stand up for what we believe, no matter the odds or the consequences. When the mob and the press and the whole world tell you to move, your job is to plant yourself like a tree beside the river of truth and tell the world, no, you move. And and I think in our life that that river of truth needs to be Jesus. That I think when it is in our life, that when we have that That it doesn't matter what people are telling us is right or wrong. It doesn't matter what, you know, like, whether things are going really well or things are going hard. That when we have that river just in our soul that is Jesus, that through good and bad that we can remain and we can remain firm. We can remain planted. Acts 4, uh, 18 18 through 20, there's this moment where Peter and John, uh, after Jesus leave, they just, you know, they're preaching everywhere and and they're healing and they're doing these amazing things. And so some of the religious leaders are like, we don't like that. (laughs) Like, like we want you to stop. And, And their response is so great. Peter and John reply, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We can't stop telling you about everything we have seen and heard. That you are able to stay to your roots when Jesus is the anchor of your soul. And I think the two ways that are helpful that we can do that is the first thing that we have to do is we must remember the promises of God. And I think so often in life, the moments where we're most discouraged and most defeated is because we lose sight of who God is in our life. That we lose sight of His goodness. We lose sight of His perfection. We lose sight that He's working. And I think in those moments of discouragement, that's where we get down. And in the Old Testament, there's these people called the Israelites. We, we, we've talked about them. And, and there's this moment where they had been enslaved for 400 years, and God sends Moses to free the people, and, and they're free from, from slavery. Yet, they find this moment where they, uh, they're kind of trapped because there's this massive Red Sea, and then everyone's coming back, and there's this moment of panic, and they're like, maybe we should go back. You know, like, there's just this, like, they, they already lost sight of everything that God had done. And, 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 and as we read more about them, there are people who would just wanted in the desert for 40 years. And it's because I think often at times they would, they would lose sight of who God is, and then they would run to other things, that they would run to idols, that they would run to things that was not what God wanted. And I think sometimes, like, so often that can be us in the sense of the moments where we struggle, the moments where we wrestle, the moments where we doubt God, it's because we forget his promises. Like, like we forget the characteristics of God, that he's always there, that he's always faithful, and he's always moving. That uh, Psalms, Psalm 73, it's uh, personally, it's my favorite psalm. And it's a, there's a man named Asaph, and, and he wrote it, and, and he's wrestling with God in this moment. And, and, and one quick just side note, that is, we serve a God who's big enough to handle our doubts and our fears and our worries. I think sometimes we feel like we have to just, like, have, have more of a spiritual, just perfect, you know, sugar-coated prayer. That it's like, no, God wants those doubts. God wants the, those fears. Like, bring them to him. He's a big enough God to handle it. And so there's a moment where Asaph is just writing, and he's questioning everything. He's like, have I done this in vain? Like, is there, is there a purpose? Like, I see everyone that isn't pursuing you blessed, and, and here I'm struggling. Like, what do I do? But, but what I love is that towards the end, like, he gets his heart right because he remembers, like, what God does. Like, he remembers the goodness of, of our Father. And, and in Psalm 73, 23 through 26, it says, yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I admire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail. My spirit may grow weak. But God remains the strength of my heart, and he is mine forever. That there are over 3,000 promises in the Bible. And, and he's true to deliver on all of them. That as we look through the Bible, we see promises of prophecy. We see promises of the characteristics of God. We see promises of his fruit. There's so many different things about it, yet one thing remains that he's faithful and that he delivers on his promises. That, that we know that when we bring something up to God, that he's, that he's going to reach us right where we're at and he's going he's to love on us. Because we serve a God who's faithful. Second Thessalonians 3, 3 says, But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you against the evil one. And then the second thing that we must do in this sense is we must be pursuing after Jesus relentlessly. That, that I think Saul kind of took a vending machine approach when it came to, to, to the Lord. That, that he wasn't necessarily concerned about pursuing him with his life. That he wasn't necessarily concerned about doing what was right. That he just wanted to receive things from God. That it was just about this, like, give me, give me, give me, you know, I'm putting in my dollar, I want this. Kind of vending, vending machine-like faith, almost. And, and it didn't have any subs, it didn't have any root, because Saul was just so fixated on getting an answer. But as we look through, like, the reason why God was silent, the reason why he didn't respond with, with, with prophets or dreams or visions, the reason why was because he was completely disobeying the things that the Lord had asked of him. And so I think, you know, you can't expect to receive things from God if you're not willing to pursue him and honor him with your life. That towards the end of that, that verse in, uh, in 1 Samuel 28, we talk about how God says, you know, I mean, Samuel says, like, the Lord has left you. A- and he's talking about how he's going he's to split the kingdom and he's giving it to David and all of these things. Because there was one thing he didn't. Sorry, I was on the wrong page. <laughs> um, because he didn't do the one thing the Lord had asked. And the one thing that the Lord had asked said, I want you to destroy the Amalekites. I want you to wipe them out completely. And, 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 and a, few, you know, a few chapters back, we see that, that he completely disobeys on that. He doesn't do that. And, and I think the thing is that, again, like Saul just wanted an answer. Saul just wanted a quick fix. Yet like, more than just giving us an answer in the moment, God is so much more concerned about the position of our heart. And he's a jealous God, and he wants us to pursue him. And, and obviously, like, we can't do it without grace and mercy, and, and that is the forefront of the characteristics of Jesus. But God isn't after your perfection, but he is after your pursuit. And, and he wants us chasing after him. And so we see that, you know, what Samuel had spoken over, Saul, becomes true because of this disobedience, because of this, you know, I'm not, I'm not pursuing you. And so what happens towards the end of Saul's life is that he gets, he, he's overtaken by this army. And, and, and he's terrified and he's scared. And so he actually falls on his, falls on his sword, tries to kill himself. And, and, and we see in the, next, in, in the next chapter, there's this man who brings the helmet of Saul to King David. And, and, and so the man answers. He said, I happened to be on Mount Gilboa. And there was Saul leaning in on a spear when the enemies and chariots were closing in on him. When he turned to me, he cried out for me and said, you know, and how can I, how can I help I asked Saul. He responded, who who are you? I am an Amalekite, I told him. And then he begged me, come over here and put me out of my misery, for I am in terrible pain and want to die. So, So I killed him. The Amalekite told David, for I knew he couldn't live. And then he took the crown and his headband and he brought them to David. That the very people that Saul was commanded to destroy are the ones that destroyed him that God gave him a clear instruction said, I want you to wipe out the Amalekites. And it's an Amalekite that is carrying the crown of Saul to David. And so I think in this moment, you know, we, we see that, that Saul was so much more concerned with just a quick fix, but he wasn't concerned about actually pursuing God in the moment. Because here's the thing, if, if Saul had been pursuing God, he would have been faithful to take care of him. You know, it was one of those things that there was a specific reason why he heard silence. And it was because God was asking him to do something and he wasn't willing to do it. And so I think more than being concerned with just having every single one of our questions answered, we need to be concerned with pursuing Jesus relentlessly and just with everything that we have. Um, at this point, if the worship team would like to come back up, that uh, when, I, when I was in middle school, there was, there was this kid and, and he was, he was a little different. And to be honest, he got made fun of a lot. And it was one of those things that, that broke my heart. Um, and, and sadly, it was actually some of my friends that were kind of starting in. And, and, and I remember this moment where I know the Lord was like, you need to go love on that person. That, that you need to encourage him. Um, and you need to be his friend. And I remember, you know, it took me a little while to do it. At first, I was kind of resistant. And, and, and when my friends would make fun of him, I wouldn't make fun of him. But, but I wouldn't stick up for him either. And, and can I just say something real quick, that, that no action is an action. That, that when we see someone in need, that, that our heart needs to be to reach out to them. And I think sometimes it's easy just, just to stay back and to not do anything, and, but we can't let fear get in the way of that. that. That the Lord wanted me to love on this kid for a reason. And so it didn't matter what other people said, as we talked about in Acts, and as we, you know, it, it doesn't matter most important is obeying God in that moment and so I remember the moment I finally kind of stood up to my friends and I was like guys like enough is enough and and I would love to say that they were like oh my gosh like you're right (laughs) like we're sorry and there was reconciliation there actually wasn't what happened was my friends started to make fun of me too and so I ended up being in the same boat as this kid but it actually presented an opportunity to love on the kid like I know the Lord had asked me to do and so it was one of those things that we actually kind of started to just develop a good friendship and And I don't know where he is to this day. I hope hope things are going well, but I know that it was one of those things What was more important than worrying about what my friends said. What was more important was honoring the Lord and and loving on people. And I think it's one of those things that when we we pursue after the Lord, we chase after him wholeheartedly, above all else, that that he's going to take care of us. That, you know, like, maybe we don't have every single question answered in the moment because, again, the truth is our God is all-knowing and we're not. And I love that, you know. Um, I shouldn't know more than my God. And yet, you know, so we just need to just have a heart and a posture that just wants to press into him. That if our faith is solely based on getting the answers that we want, our, our faith is going to be shallow. It's not going to last. That Our faith shouldn't be just about what we can get out of God. I think that was Saul's approach. Again, this this give me, give me, give me, this vending machine-like faith. But our heart instead should be, God, what do you want from me? That, that God, what do you want me to do? God, who do you want me to love on today? God, what are the things that you are asking me to do? And when we take that posture and we chase after him with everything we have, that's where the Lord is right beside us. The Lord is faithful in the good and the bad that we can lean on him because we know that he's going to take care of us. Through thick and thin, the Lord is faithful like no one else. And so instead, our hearts should be like David, clinging to him in every part of the journey through the good and the bad, knowing that Jesus will lead your life in the way that is best. It's always wrapped up more on the circumstances than is God. And I think we must be more concerned about our God than our current circumstances because our circumstances will change. Our circumstances will come and go. No matter how hard something is right now, it will not last forever. However, the one thing that does last forever is our God. So through thick and thin, that you need to know that when seasons of life they ebb and flow, that nothing bad will stay bad forever. Yet our God will stay forever, and so that's where when when our when our convictions and our roots are just based on the circumstances, that they're based on the temporary. And when they're based on the temporary, they're going to wither and wait; they won't last. But when they're based on our God, when they're based on the King, on the bedrock, on the eternal. That's where it will remain forever. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your heart. God, I thank you for who you are. And God, for the fact that you love us, that you take delight in us. And God, I thank you that we can trust you. And God, I just pray right now, God, no matter where we're at, if if things are going really well or if things are a struggle, God, I I just pray that we would remember the promises of God. That we would remember that you're faithful that we would remember that you deliver, that we would remember that nothing hardship-wise will last forever, that it'll come and go. But God, you remain. And so God, I pray that this morning that we would just have a heart and a posture that just presses into you above all else. God, because you are the only thing that is 100% faithful. And God, you are good. And that we thank you for grace. That we know that you don't expect us to be perfect, but God, you want us to be pursuing you with everything we have. So God, we thank you. God, we love you. We worship you. We praise you. In your name, amen.